So get your Bibles out. And just kind of throw it open for right now. Now, let me just say a couple of things before we get started the message this morning, because uh, you may be uh, new here at church. As a church, we've always believed that we have to be active in what's going on in the world. The flag flying right back there was a flag that flew over the state capitol when the, we had worked very hard. Maggie over here and several other people had been working very hard to to push legislation and get things done about the abortion laws, and that was a flag flying over that day when, when the state capitol, when those laws were passed. And so uh, we are active, okay? Now, I have, you've you got to hear this. This is, this is, number one is, let me just back up before I forget this. If you're writing, you should be writing your, your legislator, okay? Make sure you be nice. Okay, don't, don't send them some scathing letter and cuss them out and then say, from the fellowship at Living Waters Church. <laughs> okay? Don't do that to me. All right? You got you to gotta be civil in these matters. But the, you got to understand the point here. The point is, is that there's a lot of organizations that I do not agree with. Okay? I don't agree with their, their doctrine. I don't agree with the Communist Party. I don't agree with the Ku Klux Klan. But because America has fought and bled and died so that this is a land that we have freedom to speak. They have a right to do what they're doing. I have no problem with an LGBT agenda and what people want to say and all that. I'm not going to speak. I'm going to love. I'm going to love, love them. I'm not going to speak against them. But when they turn and say, I can't worship my God, and I can't believe what my Bible says is true, and I can't marry who I want to marry, and I can't hire who I want to hire, and I can't live my life the way that I believe the Bible tells me to, because that is illegal, that's where my draw a line in the sand and say, no, that can't be. And that's where your principle has to come from. We have the right as Christians to believe the Word of God is true. We have the right to walk in that and have our faith and our belief. Amen? And I don't need the government telling me what I'm supposed to be believing. Okay? Okay, so last week I preached a message about the Ark of the Covenant, and I encourage you to go back and to listen to that. Before I forget going, I'm almost getting ahead of myself here, okay? So this chapter for this week is Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is the chapter we're going to be reading this week. In case you, again, you, you know, haven't heard what we're doing, the plan, Tracy explained it pretty good there a while ago, but the plan's simply this, that we sit down as a family, as a family unit, and that we take one chapter per week. It doesn't make any difference if you read it all on Monday, you read it this afternoon, you read it out all through the week, however you choose to do it as a family unit. Sit down, read that chapter, asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate to you something for your life. We're going to ask, first of all, what does it say? What do you see in it? And then how can we apply it to our lives so that we can serve humanity better? Okay? What, do you, what does it say? What do you see? How are you going to serve better? And that's the whole principle. And I tell you, I've just been hearing testimony after testimony of people telling me that uh, what God's doing and revelations they're getting and things that are happening, and it's honoring the Word of God. We have got to honor the Word of God as it is the living Word of God. We've got to take it and say, this has, this has a part of our lives as Christians. And you say, well, that's a simple thing, and you may be a great Bible studier, and that's okay, but I still ask you to follow along with us, get in it, Set it aside time in your family to go over it, 
Because I tell you, God's going to move and he's going to bless because he wants to illuminate us in 2019. He wants to show us things in 2019, things that we need to walk in and apply for life. And you know, what's going on in your life is not necessarily what's going on in somebody else's life, but it's so cool that the Holy Spirit has a way to twist it all around and make each of you get something out of that, that chapter. So this week's chapter is Mark chapter 4. And uh, like Tracy said, if you go to the Waterhole app, we have the whole chapter out there. If you want to read it in the phone, fine. If you're reading it, I, that's up to y'all, okay? And, uh, but it's on the website, thewaterhole.net. It's also on the phone app, The Waterhole. And uh, you can follow along with that. So praise God. So anyway, I was preaching about the Ark of the Covenant last week. And I don't want to take a lot of time. You just have to go back and watch last week's message. And uh, anyway, and so it was the, the, whole, the, the whole gist of what the message was, was that when, when Moses was building the tabernacle, he built the tabernacle and he set up all the furniture and all the Ark of the Covenant and everything that he had to, to make. It says he made it, it was the pattern or the copy. And, and, and I, I brought about that in heaven, there's the original. In heaven, there is the tabernacle. In heaven, there is the, 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 the court of God where all of this was that he was having duplicated on earth. And that when they made the ark, he says he put inside the ark, he said put in there the testimony or the covenant, which we know is the old covenant, and it was the covenant of what God said he would do for man. And then we started talking about covenant, and we talked about how that, that there's nothing more binding than covenant. And as God cut, put in the tabernacle, and he put inside the ark the testimony or the covenant, he says, that's going to be there perpetual forever. So then I presented to you that when Jesus went to heaven and poured his blood out upon the mercy seat, and I gave you scriptures for all this, poured his blood out on the mercy seat in heaven, then the covenant would have been under it. And that covenant we know is the New Testament. So in essence, there was the Bible in the ark where God says it's always going to be there crying out, speaking out. So there's always the covenant talk going on in heaven. God is a God of covenant. He, we don't understand covenant. We don't walk in covenant like we should. We understand contracts and contracts that can be broken. But the thing is, is we don't understand what real true covenant means. Covenant means everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine if that's what we have cut. If that's what, if that's what it is and with the penalty of death if you didn't fulfill it. Pretty powerful thing, right? I mean, you're pretty much going to fulfill the covenant and covenant talk if you knew that the other person had the right to just come over to your house and kill you and nobody said anything. It's bury you out back, right? So pretty powerful, pretty powerful talk, pretty powerful thing. So you just wouldn't go into a covenant with anybody lightly, right? Because you, you, if this guy wanted to cut a covenant with you, you'd really think seriously about, man, do I really want to do being this, is this guy going, you know, is this going to work out right? I mean, because he has a right to kill me. So pretty powerful stuff. So we got, we talked on about, and I showed you the scriptures, how that the covenant that was cut was between Jesus and God. And that Jesus poured his blood out on the mercy seat and he cut covenant with God. And then he said, every person who believes in me, every person who professes that I'm the son of God and believes in me, well, then we're in covenant. So we're in covenant with Jesus. Jesus is in covenant with God. Everything that you ask in the name of Jesus, he said, I do. 
But do we understand it? Do we truly walk in it? And so this morning, I want to dig into that a little deeper. And uh, let's just start over in Jeremiah 31, 33. Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, 33. Let's first look at what the Old Covenant, what God said he wanted to do for man. So we'll start in Jeremiah 31, 33. It says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. See, God always had from the original onset, he knew that man could not fulfill the letter of the law. He knew that man was always going to fall short. He knew man was going to not be able to do it. So he said, I don't want to just have a, this, this law that, that comes out that, that I know man's not going to fulfill. What I want to do is I want to put my law in their heart. I want, to, I want people that want to worship me, not are forced to worship me. I want people that want to say, Jesus, I love you, not, oh gosh, we need to love Jesus or we're going to go to hell. How many of y'all know that if you love to do your job, you'll do a good job? But if you have, feel like you're forced to do that job and you don't like doing that job, but you're going to do it because it's the only thing that pays the bills, you're not a very good worker. Hello? Is that not the truth? So God says, I don't want people that have, hey, we got to go to church this morning. You know, heck, I'd rather be out fishing. I'd rather be out doing anything else in the world, but we got to go to church this morning. Oh, if I don't go, my wife will nag me all week. I don't want to listen to that. Because that attitude of going to church, I mean, you're not, you're not there for the right reason. It's not in your heart. God said, I want to put it in their heart. I want them to say, man, serving Jesus is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Man, worshiping Jesus, Lord, I just don't want anything between me and you. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. Hello? So he said, and he goes on, he says, and I'll put my law on their inward parts and write them in their hearts and, and, be, and will be their God, and they shall be my people, and, and they shall teach no man, every man and his neighbor and every man and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. The problem we had with God and him walking with us in a deep relationship was this issue of sin. So, new covenant comes in. First thing Jesus deals with is this issue between us and God. Now, our blood couldn't be blood that would be shed that would satisfy what could be poured out on the mercy seat because bottom line, you're not a pure red heifer. You are not a lamb without spot or blemish. Okay? So the only blood that could ever satisfy the terms of the covenant was the blood of Jesus. It had to be the blood of righteous lamb of God. Are y'all with me? So Jesus had to cut the covenant with God. Jesus had to pour his blood out of the mercy seat because your blood wasn't going to do any good. We couldn't come around in here this morning and vote who we think is the nicest person and send them to the cross for your blood to put the sacrifice for us because it still wasn't going to make any difference. It's tainted. It's tainted by this thing called sin that all started in the garden. All right? So that had to be dealt with. But once that issue was dealt with, now the door's open. Because God's not looking as, at humanity with this taint of sin. It's like, come on. If you've ever spoken to somebody, if you've ever spoken to somebody and they have something like, like a piece of meat hanging on their tooth or something, what do you look at all the time? Huh? 
I mean, you want to be nice. You want to be friendly. You want to look at them and say, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. But you can't. Your eyes are focused on that. <laughs> Something stuck between their teeth. Hello? So it's like you going to God, trying to talk to God. Say, hey, God, I'm just up here today. This will worship you. And he's like, you got something between your teeth, you know. He can't see anything but that. But now the blood's got that covered. He's got it covered so that, that now you can go and you can go boldly into the throne room of grace, that Hebrews tells us. Go boldly into the throne room of grace and have a conversation with God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth and all that are then. So that you can have a conversation, you can sit there and talk, and you can share your needs with him, and he can share his needs with you. Did you hear that? You can share your needs with him, and he can share his needs with you, because he needs you to do something on this earth. He needs you to walk like Jesus. He needs you to be his arms and his hands of love on this face of this earth. Go to John 14, 12. Gospel of John 14, 12. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's covenant talk. And Jesus says, I'm doing this because I'm glorifying the Father. The Father has paid the price of sending me to this earth to die for you, to get rid of this piece of meat in your tooth, so that you can talk to the Father openly, have a relationship with God Almighty. And he's glorified in that, that what he did, you're believing in, being Jesus, you're believing in me, and therefore that glorifies the Father. And he says, anything you ask in my name. Everybody say in my name. Everybody say the name of Jesus. Anything you ask in the name of Jesus, he said, I'll do it. So it's covenant talk. He's like, I've got a covenant with the Father. You and I have a covenant because you're believing that I'm the Son of God washing your sins away. So anything you ask me to do, I'm going to ask the Father. It's going to get done. No ifs, no ands, no buts. That's pure covenant talk, okay? He goes on and he says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth in whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he'll dwell with you and be in you. I will not leave you orphans, but I'll come to you. A little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And at that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you and me, and I and you. And he who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus said, look, I know you guys aren't going to get this. I know you guys are not going to be able to walk in this and understand this because, you know, it's like, it's like trying to take a trained monkey to a nice restaurant and get him to eat right. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. I thought about this the other day. Somebody I was telling this story to, but uh, when I was in high school, I, I got in a little trouble, and I, I, got, I got basically excommunicated from all classes, except the lady who did home economics took me in. The greatest class ever. We learned how to bake cookies. I didn't bake cookies. I sat there and talked to the girls as they baked cookies, and I ate them. You know, It was the greatest 
most unbelievable class that I ever took in my life, okay? So it was me in a room full of 26 girls, and man, it was glory. Thought I had died and gone to heaven. Except the lady then told us that for a major part of our grade, because she had been teaching about, you know, how you're supposed to eat at the table. No elbows, all the place settings where the forks and the knives go, all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't paying a lot of attention, you know. And then she said, for the major part of your test, I'm taking all of y'all to a dinner theater in San Antonio, and I'm going to watch how you eat and how you can act in this dinner theater, and it's going to be a part of your grade. So I was like, uh-oh. You know, so we all got dressed up, and we all took the bus, took us down, they went to this dinner theater. And I'll never forget it, because I kept thinking, oh, I can pull this off, you know I mean? Because I remembered no, no elbow on the table, and... And, but I, I was a little confused about the forks, and I finally remember, just, just start out with a short one and work to the bigger. That was what I finally got. Same thing with the spoon. Start with a little one and work up. And so anyway, um, and what did they serve but chicken? Like, like a thigh with a leg on it? And I'm like, how do you eat this? I mean, y'all all know, it's the most difficult thing to take a piece of chicken and like try to eat it and not look like a savage. I mean, even if you're trying to cut pieces off, I mean, you still get to after a while, you're pulling and twisting and, you know, you're wanting just to grab the leg and eat it, right? And I'm like, oh my Lord. And so the lady was looking all the time, you know, at us. And I was like, oh God, you know, we're going to try to. And I remember I went home hungry because I just couldn't do nothing but because I was so scared I was going to fail the class, and I thought, this is glory. I don't want to get thrown out, you know, and so I've got to stay. So it's kind of like that. You know, I was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable in the presence of everybody else around us, because it, it was a major dinner theater there, and there was a lot of people in suits and, you know, well-dressed people and everybody at this dinner theater, you know, and then here we were stuck kind of in the middle. Man, I felt very uncomfortable, very out of place. That's how a lot of us are in the throne room with God. We're very uncomfortable and very out of place. We don't know how we fit. We don't know what is the fork to eat with and how to really do this. And, you know, how do you, I mean, come on, you know, eat a, even, even to eat a salad in the bowl, you know, if the leaves are long, you know, I mean, you got to try to cut this thing and salad's going everywhere and dressing, slopping around and you're trying to, I mean, you're trying to behave yourself and, you know. And, and so what I'm saying is we're a lot like that. Just imagine yourself in the throne room. How are you? Are you okay? Are you understand, you know, the etiquette of the throne room? And so the more comfortable you are in the throne talking to God about biblical matters and things going over your life, the more at ease you are, the more confidence you have. I'm telling you, the more you're going to see moving in your life. But the less comfortable you are, then you're not going to go back as often. So the answer is not to just not go back. The answer is to learn and to grow. And so God, Jesus said, I know you're going to have problems. That's why I gave you the Holy Ghost. I wanted you to not be comfortless. I wanted you to have a helper and say, it's the other fork. Because <laughs> that's what the Holy Ghost does. You're about to reach for the wrong one. He says, <clears throat> no, the other one. Right? Because I want you to be comfortable with me. I want you to understand the things of God. I want to flow in your life. I want to be, he said, I want you, I want, I want to be your God. 
And, and I want you to be my people. I want to be together. I want to come and abide with you and live and dwell with you. And so I gave you the Holy Spirit to come into your life, to be there and to say, then you can cry out and say, Holy Spirit, help me. I want to understand the things of God. Help me to walk and flow and what is proper etiquette and how can I function? Another scripture, go to John 16, 24. In John 16, 24, it says, And in that day you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So this whole principle of walking in covenant is for a reason, so that we can, our joy can be full. God wants you happy on this earth. Hello? He wants you happy on this earth. He wants you walking in joy. But you've got to understand how the covenant works and how you have to operate. Let me give you another scripture. Matthew 18, 18, 1. One of the things that really amazes me about when I read the Bible and read the New Testament, about how Jesus hand-chose these 12 disciples, and some of them were not too sharp, not too bright. I actually feel like some of the ones that you don't hear a lot about that he chose were the smarter ones because they just kept their mouth shut. Okay? And so one of the things that always amazed me is James and John getting their mother to go to Jesus to see if they can sit on his left and right hand in heaven. I mean, come on. Got your mother up there trying to make a way for you and then trying to just basically get ahead of everybody else so that you can be number one and number two. I mean, that is bad. And these were hand-chose guys. That's the same John that we read as say, Oh, John, that's the same guy, okay? Well, here you find in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, it says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Their minds were thinking all the time about position. Their minds were thinking all the time about preeminence among man. Their minds were thinking all the time about, look at me, look at me, look at me. Who am I? Who am I? What am I? Oh, look at this is how I'm accepted in the world. Look at me, I'm great. And then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever noticed children are usually full of faith? They will believe what you tell them. Right? You can take a child and play the little game with him like you stole his nose. And he's sitting there like that, and he actually believes you took his nose. Right? Little children are full of faith. Little children are easy to mold. All right? But Jesus says he brought a little child and brought him in here and says, we're going to talk about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's just use a little child as an example. And he says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life maimed, uh, lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and cast into everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. 
For it's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and cast into the hellfire. In other words, Jesus sat there and he said, look, if you really want to walk in my principles and all, it's not about getting something from me. It's about learning something from me. Isn't that what children do? They learn from us, good and bad. If you want to know what's going on in the family, just listen to the children. If you want to know how mom and daddy talk, listen to what comes out of the children's mouth. Right? So Jesus says, the problem is, is that so many times, Christians, we're all about trying to get him to do something for us when I really need you to sit down and learn from me because I will teach you how to flow in my principles. And he says, woe to you who just cause offenses. What causes offenses in life is that when we're trying to work the principles of God to get what we want, that's what causes offense. Not when we're trying to work the principles of God in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Because if that's true, listen, <laughs> just think about this. If you're talking love, the whole Bible's ba- the whole, it's all based on love, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you really loved your neighbor as yourself, then could you ever get in an offense? If the neighbor loved you and you loved the neighbor, y'all would be standing there all the time. Oh, no, I just love you. Here, take it. No, he said, no, no, I want you to take it. No, I'd really rather you take it. No, I'd rather you take it. No, I really want you to take it. Well, okay, I'll take that, but I'm going to get you something bigger. And you would just, I mean, you would be walking like this all the time. There'd be no place for offense, right? But we tend to walk like, no, I want to give you this. Yeah, well, you should have. <laughs> what you did wasn't right, and you ought to pay. You see what I'm saying? Love if you truly walked in God love, you, you, you could not offend somebody because you're in love and they're in love and you're just going back and forth. But what we tend to do with the gospel is we tend to want God to get it done our way, the way we want to, because that's what we're comfortable in. But if you were in love, it wouldn't make any difference because love covers everything. Love takes over and covers everything. So you could not get offended if everybody walked in love, but they don't all walk in love. And Christians don't all walk in love. So I want to give you six things right now that you can just jot down, six things that are going to hinder your prayers and are get you in that place where you're going, to, you're going to miss God. Because I'm telling you, the covenant's yours. He said, anything you ask is yours. What's inside the box crawling out the ark in, in heaven? What's it calling out for you? Anything you want is yours because Jesus said, anything you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. So what's anything? Anything's anything. That's what it is. It says, if you open up the lid and you look inside the mercy seat, it would say anything they need. But there's things that hinder us from walking in it. Okay, the first one. Go to James 1. James 1, verse 5. If anyone of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and he will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So the first thing that's going to hinder you from walking in the things of God or the, your prayers being answered is being double-minded. Meaning one day you're believing God's going to do something for you, and the next day you're not. Well, I don't know. Unsure of yourself. I hope this works. Because if you're, un, if you're double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways. You're not going to be able to walk in the things of God because you're going to be unstable in your ways. So Jesus is standing there wanting to give it to you. 
And you're sticking your hand in, taking it out. Sticking your hand in, taking it out. Sticking your hand in, taking it out. You're, you're the one doing it. It's not Jesus. Nothing's faltering on Jesus' part. Y'all may not like this message today, but it is absolutely the truth. There is nothing wrong with Jesus. There is no fault on his part. The fault lies with us. You might as well accept it, take responsibility for it, quit looking at God saying, well, God, he's not doing this for me. Stop it. The devil has got you by the tail. He's twisting it. He's just cranking you, trying to get you to blame God. When the truth of the matter is, is something wrong on our part? Folks, listen to me. <clears throat> I can hardly say this because it makes me sick. But in, in this week in New York, they passed uh, the, the abortion. I say, I can't hardly even say it, man. It just, oh, God. That they literally take a baby outside and kill it. And I cannot imagine what kind of a person could do something like that. I cannot imagine taking a baby born and kill it. I can't, I can't, even, I can't imagine that. I, can't, there's, I cannot fathom that. I've gotten to where I've gotten so tenderhearted, I can't hardly shoot anything. And I used to be the killer you know, elite. And, 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 and I cannot, but a human being, I cannot imagine that. I cannot imagine taking a defenseless, helpless baby and killing it. I can't. It just blows my mind. I can't imagine the human that could do something like that. But there are people that are that hard, that callous, that uncaring, that evil. You might as well wake up us country people. Quit being naive little people thinking everybody out there is sweet and nice. I'm telling you, there's, there's wickedness out there like you have never seen wickedness out there. There's evil like you have never seen evil who would pleasure in your hurt. And that is not God, and there's no part of that God, and there's not anywhere that that comes from God. Okay? So we have to understand something. Everything that God has is out there and is given to you. It's nothing on his part. God is not evil. God has no, he's not double-minded. Everything is yours. It all has to be on us, and we have to take responsibility for it. And people do not want to take responsibility these days for their actions. So they find a way to get rid of that baby because they don't want to take responsibility for it. We know how babies are formed. We know how babies are created. And that's where it needs to be stopped. It's just, just ridiculous. Okay? So it's not, it's us being double-minded, having double standards. It's us being double-minded that stops the flow of our prayers. One day we're believing God, the next day we're not. Next day the devil sowed a seed in us. He said something to us. He's got something on us. We've got, got ourselves off. We've got our tails getting twisted. And then we're not really walking in it. Okay? Now look at the second one. It's still in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars come? Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spit it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? What God's saying here is not literally adulterers and adulteresses. It means that you have a heart that's in, in, in love of the world and love of God. You say, how can that be? Well, it is. There's a lot of Christians out there who have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, and 
the foot in the world, they keep there because if God doesn't answer like they'd like him to answer, then they're going to revert back to whatever they know. Which most of us is, well, if you don't do that, then I'm going to beat you. Going to beat the life from you. One world, one way, we want to keep in the world and the worldly ways of doing things. Manipulations, jealousies, envy, strifes, those kind of things. And the other world, we want God to be answering our prayers. So he calls it an adulteress. In other words, your heart's not true to one. Your heart's not true. He says you can ask and you would receive, but you're asking amiss because you're going to consume it on your own pleasures. In other words, you want God to do what you want God to do the way God you want God to do it because that's the way you're going to feel comfortable. And I'm going to tell you all something. Christianity is not comfortable because we live in a foreign world. You know, the first thing you notice, the very first time I ever traveled into a foreign country, the first thing I noticed was I was the minority. You know, I was the minority. The world wouldn't like Everywhere else around the world, it wasn't like in America. It wasn't like Texas, where I'm from, right? Well, God's saying it's the same way with him. You can't have a heart to be like this, your worldly ways, and, but still want to be like Jesus. It's one or the other. And he said, you're not having your prayers answered because the problem is you're an adulterer you got a heart for both. Look at the person beside you and say, man, I love it when pastor preaches like this. Number three, go to 1 John 3. 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart for him, and does the love of God, does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this you will know that we are of the truth, and you shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because he keeps his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is a commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of God and love one another as he gave us a commandment. You really want to really just make everything simple? See, we're like, we like to pull things apart, right? And we like to figure out, okay, why am I crazy? When did I get crazy? How did this start? We want to take it all the way back to when it was in the birth when they took me out and they spanked my honey. I felt that, and it got down into my heart. And therefore, I'm, I'm now uh, uh, angry with the world because my first experience in the world was I was warm and now uh, then I was cold and then somebody hit me and it was a man and so I don't like men and, you know, whatever. This keeps going on and it keeps getting bigger and deeper and but all this. But Jesus put it real simple here. He said, or John actually by, inspired by Jesus, this is real simple. Um, just believe on Jesus, okay, and love one another. That's really the simplistic view of it. He says, can you love one another? That means when somebody comes up to you and they're screaming and they're hollering and they're ugly or they did you wrong or whatever, you can stand there and look at that person. And if you really are walking godly and really are filled with the Spirit and can walk in the Spirit, that means you can look at that person and just say, oh, God bless them. They're just out of sorts. They're, this is going to really hurt them because they're really gotten out of sorts and they're really going to be what, 
you know, it's going to hurt them. Their prayers aren't going to be answered. They're not going to be walking with you, you know, whatever. And you don't feel anything but love. You say, well, you're crazy, Robert. You can't do it. Well, the Bible says when I got born again that the love of God was shed abroad in my heart. I do have the capacity to love. You have the capacity to love. Like agape kind of love, like God kind of love, like to be able to look at somebody and say, poor sucker. And he says, if you can just, if you believe in Jesus and you can walk in that kind of love, anything you ask, it'll be given you. I preached a great message one time about holding court and how we hold court in our heads. And when something's been wrong, then we go to court and we go to court in our heads and we, we run through the whole thing and we try to, you know, go over the court scene and we get it all down to who's right and who's wrong. And we, we spend all this time in our heads till it makes us nutso. And you've got, you know, the advocate and you've got the, you know, everything going on and you've brought witnesses in and you've brought, you know, you're trying to convince the jury and you're, you're the prosecutor trying to say how wrong you've been. But the Bible says if you just walked in love, then you couldn't even find an offense. You didn't know anybody offended you. Is that, is that amazing? I mean, think about that. Is that amazing that you were at a place in your life that you could not even get offended? Would that not be a better place than having a whole court 24-7? Well, you just said love. Whee! Yeah, glory, glory to God. Just walked in love. I can tell y'all I'm not there. But I want to tell you something. That's my goal. That is my goal that I cannot be offended. I can't be offended. That's my goal. What do you think, Jesus? Just think of me. Put Jesus in there, your shoes. Jesus is sitting there. He's getting beaten. He's being whipped. He's being spit on. He's doing all this. And all he had to say, that's it. Poof, angels show up. Wipe the whole world out. Go to heaven and say, man, I just couldn't do it, Lord. Father, let's just start over. And he'll say, all right, let's do it. Are you with me? It's something else if somebody bigger than you beat you down, right? Because even though you try to get back up, they're going to beat you back down again. It's when you're already the champion of the world. Nobody can even come close to you. You have the knockout punch to knock out the whole world, and you choose not to use it because you're going to got to get your blood poured out on the mercy seat. Oh, but we get offended with one little thing. We get offended because somebody did something we didn't like, and we get offended, and we're just like, <laughs> we throw everything we got. We're back getting the bazooka. <laughs> Buying bigger machine guns. Get them all. When he said, if you just listen, I'll give you anything. And you, I'll give you anything. 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 It's all yours. Anything. If you just walk in love. And we're like. <laughs> One foot's in the world. One foot's in the kingdom. The fourth one, 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then we know that he hears us, that whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. I mean, there again, is covenant talk. Anything is yours. Inside the box, it says anything you need. But he said something there, confidence. The fourth thing is we don't have any confidence, which goes back to the third thing because our heart condemned us, which goes back to the second thing that we weren't walking in love, that we already were convicted, so we don't think we have any chance. Number five, go to Mark eleven twenty-two. 
Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and he said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you've received them and you will have them. Is that again not covenant talk? Is that again not everything? Is that again not anything you have need of? And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgiving, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven give you your trespasses. So the fifth thing here is that could hinder your prayers would be that you're, you're in unforgiveness, which goes back to love, which goes back to having one foot in the world, which goes back to loving the world, which goes back to being an adulteress. You see, it's all connected, church. It's all connected back to the root of, are you going to walk in love? Or do you have to be proved that you're right? My goodness, why would you want to be proven right? Yes, I was wronged. Let The jury has decided I was wronged. But you missed everything because you didn't walk in love, so therefore you got nothing. That's not what it's about. It's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about who can walk in love. That's why I say the craziness of this whole gospel is that if everybody truly walked in the agape love that was in them, no one could ever get offended. We'd be one big old happy family all the time. Just doing whatever. It'd be great. You could now give the other person. You give somebody 10, they give you 20. You say, I'll give them 40. And then they give you 60. And you say, oh, my God, you ain't going to give me 60. I'm going to give you 120. And they say, well, you mess with me. I'll give you 240. And then you say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 500. I'm, 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 I'm up in the bid. They say, I'll buy you a house. You say, I'll buy you a ranch. They say, well, I'll buy you an island. You see what I'm saying? You couldn't outlove the person. You just keep giving, keep blessing, keep loving to love them. Just keep loving to love them. Last one, number six. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. I've already kind of said this one, but it says, and you who were made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sin, and who you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also... We all once conducted ourselves under the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. That's what I'm talking about. The sixth thing is, is that we keep wanting to walk. You know, we're still walking in the world's ways. We're not walking in this new way called love. We're walking in the world's ways. The course of this world. So just help me out here. Just say, that was really good, preacher. Because you see, the whole thing is, church, I want to see you blessed. I want to see you walking in all the, 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 the promises of God for you. Now, now uh, Peter, 2 Peter says that he has given you exceedingly abundantly great and precious promises. So it's, everything has been given to you, right? Inside the ark in heaven says anything they need. So what I want you to do is to be able to find that place of anything you need. I'm wanting to see you have a relationship and understand covenant so that you can have anything you need. All your needs supplied. Now, right now, it's like in my head, I hear all kinds of like, like I'm picking up radio waves going on all over the place. And you're like, well, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? You know, I can have a mansion, I can have whatever. Listen, folks, is anything, anything? But what I want to tell you is what I've learned in life is that 
right now, if you say, well, by God, I'm going home and I'm going to believe me for the biggest old long Cadillac I could ever get my hands on, that somewhere along the line, your heart's going to condemn you and you're going to get double-minded in that and you don't really have any faith for it anyway. And you say, Pastor, I play, prayed and believed and asked to receive me a big old long Cadillac. And if I really could open up your heart and pull it out and look at it, I could show you where you got into doubt and unbelief somewhere you said you weren't going to believe that. Let me tell you one quick thing, and then I'm going to pray for you. This just happened to me this past week. A person that I haven't had a real good relationship with in a long time, uh, like 30 years, um, called me on the phone the other day, and they said, hey, I, wanna, I need to talk to you. And so, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, bottom line is I... Did, you know, I stretched out before case got ugly and then, you know, made sure everything was loaded and prepared all, all avenues. And the person came to me and they gave me a knife that belonged to my father. That I haven't seen this knife in 35 years. Now, to backtrack on this story just a little bit, six months prior to that, I'd been in a situation, and someone asked me about my father's knives because he made custom stuff, and that thought came to me about that knife. I didn't pray about it. I didn't anything. I said, huh, I wonder what ever happened to that knife. That was it. That was all I asked. I mean, I didn't ask anything. That's all I said to myself. I wonder what ever happened to that knife. We're talking 35 years ago is the last time I saw it. The knife is probably 45 years old. And 35 years ago, my father had this custom knife made. He put the handle on it. It was all real nice and everything. And this person comes to me and said, I was digging through a bag, and I found this knife, and I just knew that I was supposed to give it to you and, and, and give this back to you and return this to you. And I stood there and looked at it, and I said, God, how did you pull that off? How, how did you pull that off, that Something that was precious to me that I just assumed was gone. I never, I had no idea. And people I, in the family I asked where it was, nobody knew. And I just never, and, it, and then with no finagling, no manipulation, no challenging, no calling, no nothing, all of a sudden, God brings this thing to my front door and puts it in my hand. And I stood there and I looked at it and I was like, oh my, my God is so amazing. You love me so much that you knew this would be something that would be important to me, and you restored it even if I didn't ask. Now, you see, folks, I would rather be in a relationship where God's working on my behalf when I don't even know it. It took six months for this to come about. God worked this whole thing out for me. I didn't even know what was happening, and I got so blessed. You see, that's what a loving Heavenly Father wants to do for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to do more for you than you can imagine getting him to do for you. He wants to bless you more than you can ever imagine, but you have got to let go of all the worldly ways, let go of all the things around you, let go of the offenses, let go of those things. Fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with what Jesus loves. Hear me? Fall in love with what Jesus loves. You know what Jesus loves? That's number one on his list, humanity. And when you do, then that 
mercy seat box begins to cry out for you. Anything they need, anything they need, anything they need, anything they need, anything they need. Just ask in my name, anything they need, anything they need. And God just starts moving and working things, whether you know it or not. He lines it all up. Amen? Stand to your feet. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? Pastoral team. You know, church, I really know that God is moving in a great way. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you about something. You know, I have the prayer team come down here all the time, but I have them come down here because I know that they're going to stand in faith and agreement with you. And the Bible says if two of us agree is touching anything, it'll be done. We already know he wants to do everything, and maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. Maybe you've been praying about a situation. Maybe you've been kind of struggling with something. You need some extra, some extra oomph. How many of you could use some extra oomph? Well, that's one of the prayer teams up here. Okay? So you've been praying about something, and you haven't seen something come to, ba- come to pass? Maybe you need to come up here today and just get with the prayer team and say, hey, I just want to pray about this issue. You don't have to discuss everything. You don't have to tell everything about going on in life, but that's what they're here for, to get in agreement with you, to give you some oomph. Everybody say oomph. Everybody out there watching, say oomph wherever you are. So we're here to pray with you. If you're out there and you're listening and watching the broadcast today, God bless you. I thank you for it. And listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never stopped and invited him into your life, then today's the day. Right wherever you are, begin to just call out to him and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and gave your life for me. And I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me with your blood. And he will. And he'll change your life. If you're in here, that's why the prayer team's here. If you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never made a public profession, well, that's why we're here to pray with you. To come and to make a public profession and say, I want, today I want it known in the courts of heaven, and I want somebody else to hear me today that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen? So take the hand of that person beside you. I'm going to bless you as you go. But Father, I declare today, that as we leave this building, Lord, we heard these six things spoken and how maybe we haven't been walking in love and haven't been doing things correctly. We've been manipulating. We've been having one foot in the world and one foot in, in the kingdom. We've been maybe, Lord, we just haven't been just seeing things through the eyes of love. And I pray this morning, Lord God, let us be a congregation who will walk in love. Let us be see that people are the most important things in this world and that love covers a multitude of sin. So, Lord, let love abound. As we go out into the world, let love abound. Let us become people that are, it's impossible to offend because we walk in love. And, Lord, I ask you to bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.